official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here's your host, Glenn Naughton. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. I am joined by my co-host, Alex Varallo. We will be covering a variety of topics tonight. How are you doing tonight, Alex? Doing well, Glenn. Good evening, Jet Nation. All right. So, Alex, as uh, as we put in our, our tweet that went out to our followers, tonight we're going to have Emery Hunt joining us. He's going to be calling in in a little while, uh, probably looking at about 10, 15 minutes from now. And Emery had an opportunity to attend the open media session at One Jets Drive as OTAs kicked off last week. And it's uh, it's an exciting time because it's it's something going on on the field. But it's also frustrating because access is so limited. And as much fun as it is to hear football news, it's all also be, to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, you know, no pads, no hitting. It's new offense, new defense. Everything is new. So what is normally an exercise that is not in full at full speed is probably even that much slower under these conditions. However, when people like Alex and people like myself and anyone who is listening to this show – um, when you're addicted to this game and this team, you'll take every morsel, every nugget of information you can get. And uh, as I said, you, you you treat it with a grain of salt. But listen, you know, I see people who completely dismiss all of this stuff out of hand. Oh, it's oh, who cares? It's, it's OTAs. It's stupid. Same people who say the preseason is stupid and training camp doesn't matter. Guys make Guys make impressions in these times. Guys make plays. They do things that, you know, put them on a coach's radar, do something that maybe a coach gives them a little longer look than he would have otherwise. That's how guys make teams. And uh, listen, you know the example I always give, because probably the best undrafted free agent in my time as a Jets fan, I remember I remember many years ago reading every every morning in the New York Daily News about this undrafted rookie receiver named Wayne Krebet, who was just caught everything that came his way in training camp. And I remember people saying, oh, there's somebody like that every year. The guys you can disappear into oblivion. Don't even pay attention to it. And oftentimes that's right. But sometimes you get a Wayne Krebet. So, Alex, what are your thoughts? You know, OTAs, preseason, stuff like that. I, re- I remember a quote from uh, from Bill Parcells, I read this years ago, and uh, he basically said, like anyone who says preseason and you know stuff like this, I think he was specifically talking about preseason games because people always say they don't matter. Um, something to the effect that anyone who says preseason games don't matter, you know, doesn't know what matters because guys, like I said, they make impressions and they make rosters. So this is a uh, it may be a time of year where casual fans don't pay attention. Where know-it-all fans can, you know, 
make the proclamation that none of these guys are going to make a roster. Because let's face it, 30 or 40 of them won't. And then you can say, well, I was mostly right. Um, but the fact of the matter is some of these guys come through. So your thoughts, Alex, how, how, much, how much weight do these things carry and, and how much attention do you pay to them as a fan? Well, I think that, you know, it's debatable each way, but I do think that they are important because you have to get new players acclimated, uh, younger guys acclimated with new systems. You know, as we know, we've had a few changes in the front office, and it seems like we've been going through this process on the offensive side a few years in a row. So this is important for, for younger guys that are still trying to establish themselves, uh, get their minds up to speed uh, so that they are ahead of the game when uh, you know, the pads and the live hitting and everything like that starts happening. And, you know, for people to say that they don't matter, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of teams right now that uh, feel differently. You know, Reuben Foster got hurt in an OTA, and Tyler Croft, I think, was with the Buffalo Bills. I think he's done for the season. So, you know, these guys, it does matter. Uh, and, and you have to be careful uh, during this time of year because you don't want one of your guys to get hurt. So, you know, for people that are overreacting about Le'Veon Bell's situation not showing up, I'll trust him because he seems to have a plan of what he does during his offseason. And as we've seen with his results, clearly whatever he's doing has worked. So I'm not going to say that I understand what he's doing or I'm upset that he's, you know, working remotely down in Florida at this point. And, you know, it's really funny how just how the tides um, can turn the fan base as you can see, going up into the, the media day, uh, which I believe was last Thursday, uh, the the mood was still very, very uh, sour uh, with, with everything that has been going on. And people are still reacting to even the most insignificant, you know, additions uh, with this, this power uh, struggle or, you know, this, this power-hungry head coach slash GM that we have in Gase. But as soon as you see some – uh, familiar faces come out in the media and talk about the team, like C.J. Mosley and, and Jamal Adams and Darnold. We saw we, – well, I, we, I don't know if anyone was able to see it, but I saw plenty of tweets circulating about this beautiful uh, 40-yard bomb that Darnold had thrown to Anderson. And it kind of seemed like everybody started to realize, oh, okay, you know, everything that's been getting twisted in the media uh, isn't telling the whole picture because at the end of the day we still have uh, – a nice looking football team, definitely way better than what we were looking at last year going into this year. So I, I get it how some people will dismiss it and other people, you know, like myself, who's a diehard, uh, more content is just uh, more exciting for me personally. Yeah. And you know, that that's a good point, Alex, about how, you know, a, a couple things. One thing I, I wanted to mention tonight, because there were a few people who, I don't want to say they got upset with me on Twitter, um, but they, they kind of took umbrage or, or, you know, they thought I was overreacting by saying I didn't like that the Jets cut Jordan Leggett. And along the lines of what I, what I say all the time, for a lot of fans, everything is polarizing. Um, if you say a guy might be good, not even a guy is good. If you're like, oh, that dude might be good. And because that guy isn't an all pro, People are like, you're a moron, that guy sucks. And I'm like, ah, I'm just a guy who doesn't write people off before they get a chance to, to prove themselves. Like, that, that's me. You want to write a guy off after one year on the shelf and one year under an incompetent offensive coordinator? Go right ahead. You know, that's fine. 
Um, but the Jordan Leggett thing, Adam Gase lets him go. They uh, they cut him loose, former fifth-round pick out of Clemson. And I didn't love that pick at the time. So this isn't like I'm upset because this is a guy that I've been banging the drum for since they took him. He was probably probably my least favorite pick in that class. But you know, there, are, there are a lot of factors with this stuff. And to me, the Jordan Leggett thing, no, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not saying the guy was a multiple, you know, destined for greatness. What I'm saying is you drafted Wesco. He's probably taking Eric Tomlinson's roster spot. Herndon's your starter. And then you got Sterling, who had a couple concussions last year. And that that's not something, you know, we we know now. Concussions are, are things that they recur. And and when you get a when you get dinged pretty good, you can be out for the damn season. So in terms of true receiving tight ends, to compliment Chris Herndon, I'm looking at Jordan Leggett as a guy, and especially the fact Herndon is facing a suspension. So if you tell me I got to choose between Eric Tomlinson and Jordan Leggett, now that shouldn't even be a conversation, honestly. And someone got on me on that. That that was another thing. Someone was, you know, because I, I said Jordan Leggett isn't competing with Eric Tomlinson for a roster spot because Tomlinson's a blocker and Leggett's a receiver. Yes, they're both tight ends, but they both have different roles. However, it may sound contradictory, but bear with me here. I I, I would keep Leggett over Tomlinson because Tomlinson's blocking was so bad last year. Tomlinson's blocking wasn't a whole lot better than what Jordan Leggett brought last season, and Leggett is clearly the better athlete with higher upside as a receiver. So those those factors, the fact that Tomlinson's probably gone because of Wesco, and even if he was hanging around, you want another receiver on the roster at tight end behind Herndon, and all you got is Sterling who, again, with the with the concussion history, I just didn't see the harm in keeping Jordan Leggett around and, and let's see what he could do in Adam Gase's system. So, you know, for those people saying, oh, I can't believe you're getting all these, these idiot fans getting upset because we cut our fourth or fifth tight end. Well, listen, um, when Herndon is suspended and if, if Sterling takes another knock to the head, all of a sudden, the guy that you're laughing is your fourth or fifth receiving tight end probably should be your first. And that, that was my only thing. And again, training camp is long. You know, you see Sterling get dinged up. Now, you know, then there's Daniel Brown, of course, the six foot five free agent they brought in. Uh, athletic guy who, who hey, who, maybe, he, maybe he does a good job as a receiver. But up to this point in his career, he hasn't done enough to even be given a chance, really as a receiver. He's one of those guys that coming out of college looked like he would be a guy who would catch some balls, but hasn't done a whole lot of that. So when you're telling me my depth chart is, is Chris Herndon, Neil Sterling, Wesco, Tomlinson, Brown, I'm thinking I'd like Leggett in the mix there. Herndon suspension, Sterling concussion history, Tomlinson probably on his way out the door. I would have hung on to him. But that's it, you know, it's it's not saying that the, the guy was going to be a superstar. And the fact that, you know, five teams claimed him, that, that's a pretty good number. A lot of guys, the way, that's the thing. You can't talk about the guy like he's a piece of garbage 
and then say, oh, only five teams claimed him. No, if, if you're a piece of garbage, nobody claims you. Maybe one team. Five teams put in a claim. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not here saying the guy's going to be a superstar, but but to your point, Alex, and I'm I'm sorry I got on a bit of a tirade there, but the talk about the gays, the power struggle, the, you know, him wielding power, trading guys, cutting guys, I think that, that, that it, it, you know, it is time to move on from that. Because at the end of the day, as you said, Alex, there's some talent on this football team. But, you, you know, we keep saying it. And for some reason, you know, the, the, the experts, the so-called experts, talk about this team like they're, uh, like they didn't add anybody in free agency. And like they didn't have a, an incapable head coach and offensive coordinator leading them last season. But you give me Darnold, Quincy, Herndon, Robbie, Le'Veon Bell. I I I think this team's going to score a lot of points. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think Alex is 100% right when he says that, you know, all the talk about McCagnan and how it happened, and then I, I took part in that too. I didn't like the way it was handled. But the dust has settled. Adam Gase might have, you know, he may have some anger issues. Who knows? But up and down this roster, there's there are talented players, offense and defense. On offense, they got guys who should be able to get open at every level. Whether it's the short underneath stuff with, with Herndon, with Bell. Robbie and Quincy can stretch the field a little bit. We'll see what Wesco can do. I don't know. He may struggle to get separation. We'll see about that. But, yeah, every level on offense, they have, they have the ability to get open. And then on defense with the safeties, May and Adams, the linebackers, Mosley and Williamson, up front with the Williams, with both Williamses and, and, and Henry Anderson, they have good players at every level. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, to, to remain hysterical about, you know, how this team went about their business over the last few weeks doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think that anyone who's, you know, who's writing this team off, you know, I, I, I'd like someone to explain why. Because, Alex, we know how highly regarded Adam Gase is as, a, as a, an offensive guy. And we're going to get into this a little bit after Emery Hunt joins us and talk about the, the Adam Gase effect and whether or not the events that have transpired in recent weeks put him in a, in a tough spot where he's got to, you know, where he's got to get the results out of his team because of the fact that he's really can't say put his stamp on it in terms of bringing talent in, but in terms of, and again, of course, he's not going to say that. What are your thoughts on that, Alex? Do, do you think, do you buy Adam Gase saying, uh, Christopher Johnson called me and said we were going to fire Mac, and I was like, okay. I don't, oh, you know what? Hold that thought, Alex. I believe I believe we have on the line with us now Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. He was at... Uh, he was at One Jets Drive in Florham Park for week one of OTAs. Emery, are you with us? Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on. We appreciate you joining us, joining us today. Uh, as I said, 
Emery, Emery Run's uh, football game plan. Check him out on Twitter. And uh, he was at he was at Florham Park this week or last week. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take turns here lobbing some questions your way. And, uh, Alex, you can go ahead and kick it off. Hey, Emery, how you doing? I'm Alex, and uh, thanks for giving us your time. And uh, I'll start, uh, since you had uh, eyes and ears on the scene, uh, a lot of people always go back and forth in regards to Quincy and Nunwa's, uh health. So uh, what did it look like being up close? Uh, how was Quincy running, and what did he look like in OTAs the other day? Well, that's that's the most important thing is, is how healthy he's going to be. And you have to like what, you, what you've seen so far. And, again, this is just OTAs, non-contact, no equipment. Uh, outside of helmets. So you just you like that he's out there participating and moving around, getting familiar with the offense. I thought he looked fine last week. And now, you know, Quincy, of course, the, the health is the question there. Uh, he's, he's the more physical guy of the of the starting receivers. The Jets will line up on the outside. The other one being Robbie Anderson, who Adam Gase has, you know, spoken very highly of since taking over for the Jets. Uh Robbie was out there, you know, the, luckily, I'm sure Jets fans are pretty happy. He's he's kept his nose clean this offseason. This is a big year for him. Um saw some reporters tweeting he made some big catches. Did did he uh did he look comfortable in this offense as well? Yeah, he looked real good. And you talk about Anderson and just watching him go out there and compete. He's the the alpha of the group. I would say there were two guys that really stood out as as the vocal leaders of that group. It was Robbie Anderson and and Josh Bellamy, honestly, uh, but Anderson is, is the alpha. He's the guy, and, you know, he leads by example. I thought he's going to be, you know, just watching him practice. He's the number one threat out there, the deep threat. Everyone else is kind of your, your underneath guys. They, they have some undrafted free agents that, that are some, some burners, uh, but Anderson is, is the one that they're going to go to when they want to take those shot plays deep downfield. So there's uh, always a name that, that I see popping up, and it's a old-schoolmate teammate of Sam Darnold, and this wide receiver is Deontay Burnett. Did you get a chance to see how he looked? Was he involved uh, with the ones and twos? Uh, what role did he uh, show last week? Didn't really get a chance to, to notice Burnett. Um, if you're looking for a guy that was that was out there that was making plays, uh, it was it – was, Tim White, number one, and, and Tim White has, like, legit home run hitting speed. And, and Greg Dorch, the undrafted free agent out of Wake Forest, looked good. And Jeff Smith, I thought, I was one of the more underrated signings the Jets made was because of his ability to, you know, to win inside or outside, having that background as a former quarterback, having an opportunity to go deep down the field and, and caught a beautiful ball from Davis Webb. But Deontay Burnett, you would, you would expect him to have the most uh, comfort level with Sam Darnold. I thought last year when they picked him up during the season, it's like, yo, this is this is a really huge signing. I, I, I wanted to see him get more reps than he did during the games uh, because of that familiarity with the rookie quarterback that he played with in college. And, and he's one of those guys that you like to see out there on the field because he sacrifices for the catch. He'll, he, he, don't mind, uh, he doesn't mind diving for a pass or going over the middle of the field. So I'm a big fan of Deontay Burnett. I was shocked that he went undrafted last year. But to be honest, when you look at this receiving core, I think it's it's pretty deep with a bunch of guys that can do multiple things, that can be moved around. They may not have a bona fide star, so to speak, but they have a bunch of guys that can be productive, uh, including Jameson Crowder, who came over via free agency. And you like what he has 
uh, what he brings to the table as well. So they it could be death by a thousand cuts with this passing game. Um, and it was impressive just to see it in one practice. Again, it's basically glorified seven-on-seven seven with no pads, no pass rushing. These guys are being able to work one-on-ones uh, versus the defensive back. So I just thought they looked good. Um, and I can't wait to see what they look like when the pads come on and get outdoors and you have to deal with the elements and you have to deal with, you know, day 15 of, of training camp, you know, when you're tired and who is still who still has that that level of, of enthusiasm and burst within their game. But you like what you've seen so far from this receiving group. Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on that, Emery, because that's that's something that, you know, for me personally, when I when I hear people talk about how how this team is lacking a, a true number one receiver, I've you know, I've I've been of the I'm of the belief that if you have four or five guys who can create mismatches, you can be just as successful as a team that has one stud and a few lesser guys surrounding him. And I think that's kind of where the Jets are. But you you mentioned Jeff Smith. Um, I wanted to ask you about him because I I thought that he was an interesting grab as an undrafted free agent for that re- the reason you mentioned having that experience at quarterback, being a potential gadget guy, um, explosive speed. Look, you know, looked really fast on tape. Looked really, you know, I, I noticed pro day he ran a sub four four. I believe he was a four three seven. Did he, you know? Up close and personal, did did that speed appear to you know? Because sometimes you you see a guy's forty time and then you get out there and watch him and you just don't see it on the field. Did that translate? Did he look explosive out there? Yeah, he really did, and they and they put that to the test pretty quickly. They saw you saw two deep shots to Jeff Smith. One was completed, one was was slightly underthrown. Um, but when you look at his speed and the ability to, to stack a defensive back and get deep and and extend that that cushion. It's pretty special, man. And, you know, Boston College's passing game wasn't anything to sneeze at. But this year, it helped complement their offense. And this was the first time in a long time they really had a passing game to complement what they do on the ground. And Jeff Smith was a big reason why. And also the quarterback they have there now. um, Because I was at that Boston College Clemson game, or Florida State game, I'm sorry. And, no, I'm sorry, Miami. It was one of those sports. It was Miami he played uh, where Chris Lestrom dominated the defensive line, but you saw Jeff Smith have some success against those those defensive backs. You know, Michael Jackson was one of them. Uh, Jaquan uh, Johnson was another. Sheldrick Redwine was another guy. So watching him against that secondary really opened my eyes to what he was able to do. Then I was also able to catch the Wake Forest game. He had a big uh, game in that one as well, doing the same things you saw him do last week at OTAs. All right, so I'd like to move to the defensive side of the ball, and I know I'm excited for it, and, and fans are excited because the Jets haven't brought in a pass rusher with a premium pick in quite some time, and everyone's really getting pumped about Ja'Kai Polite. What did you see from the young rookie out of Florida? He, he has really good instincts, man, and, and you talk about earlier, when you, you're talking about guys that run a fast 40 and don't play as fast, well, he's the opposite. He didn't run a fast 40, didn't really mm-hmm. test well, but he plays football extremely well and plays it fast, and you like to see that. And I thought he, he had a really good uh, workout. I thought the second level pretty much um, had had a, a good day. Blake Cashman caught an interception. I thought Terrell Basham looked explosive off the ball, you know, and I was just impressed with, with the way those guys – Moves around. Mosley is another one that moves around. I'm a big fan of Jeff, Jeff Allison out of Fresno State. I thought that was a pretty good underrated signing for the Jets, too. He's another one that's kind of like 
uh, Cashman, these guys that can drop in coverage and, and get from point A to point B. And Allison has terrific instincts uh, for an inside backer. So I think what was a weakness or a question mark last year is probably going to be a strength on his defense. Mostly has, has good football IQ. He's an extension of the coach staff out there. And Avery Williamson, I think, is a really good inside backer. And whether or not Cashman or Allison, Allison makes the team or Cashman sees the field as far as a, you know, a, a sub backer or he's more of a special teamer, I do believe the inside backers are, are in much better condition or much better shape this year to go along with what, they're gonna, what they've added on the outside. I think Bachelors is headed for a breakout season, and Polite is going to prove to be a steal in the third round. Now, the guy that Polite's likely going to be competing with for snaps uh, is Brandon Copeland, who didn't, you know, he didn't have a monster year last year, but really last season was, was his most extensive playing time as a pro, and he, and he had some pretty solid production. So he's obviously not going to lay down and give that job over. Um, did, did, is, is he a guy right now who maybe there, there's a little fire lit under him with Polite being taken, and uh, did he stand out in any way during OTAs? Well, you hope that there is fire under, you know, lit underneath him because of the caliber of a player Polite is. I mean, to me, Polite shouldn't have gone in the in the third round. But here we are. He's a third-round pick, and, you know, he has first-round talent. So if you're Copeland, you're looking back and you're like, man, you you know, players can see all the right things. Uh, you, know, you know, we're competing. We're trying to make the team better. You know, he's a guy we brought in, you know, to, to help out the defense. But trust when I say players watch – these players, when they come in, to me, is no different than when, we, when it was signing day in college. You, you go right down to the computer lab back before, obviously, everybody had computers on their phone. Go down to the computer mm-hmm. lab, okay, who the hell did we sign? Did they sign anybody at my position? If so, how good this dude is? And so I know the same things go on in the pros when you're seeing who they drafted, who they're bringing in, and Polite definitely has, has you know, Copeland on notice. And if he can build on what he did last year, that's, that's better for the Jets as a whole. But if not, mm-hmm. it's still good for the Jets. They got a steal as a pass rusher in the third round. So while we're on the, the topic of uh, linebackers here, uh, we have a new field general in C.J. Mosley. And a part of his uh, presser from last week is that he is basically going to be um, getting all the guys aligned and setting up the defense, pretty much calling the shots while he's out there. Uh, did he look comfortable uh, in Greg Williams' system, or is he still trying to get acclimated? I think the entire defense is still trying to get acclimated. You see a lot of communication going on out there, which is great because you want to see guys communicate. You want to see guys understand what's going on, and this is where you want to make your mistakes in practice. And you like how guys are talking to one another, getting everyone lined up properly. And I just didn't like the, the conversation around C.J. Mosley, when he signed, you know, people talked about him being overpaid or you don't pay an inside linebacker. That These are the same people that say the same things about the running back position. Uh, you don't pay for a running back. And, you know, I, I just find it funny that people forget. Uh, maybe these people never even watched football. They just started watching football in 2005 or something like that where no one remembers the, the run and shoot or the run and gun and how unsuccessful those offenses were because they couldn't run the football. Or – People don't remember how bad a defense is if you can't stop the run because you have no threat on the inside. Mosley is a threat on the inside. A guy like Le'Veon Bell is a threat in the backfield. The Jets are – you want to be strong down your battery, and if that – if you're going to win, 
in football, no matter what level, center, nose tackle, linebacker, free safety, quarterback, running back, all your battery has to be outstanding. The Jets are, are on the way to making that happen. I thought the C.J. Moses selection was, was uh, our addition was, was big um, because, you know, last time I checked, he had a game-clinching interception against the Browns that got them into the playoffs. He's always around the football. Um, he was playing good football in Baltimore. You, you pay for t- premier talent, and the Jets got one. Uh, and, you know, and Mosley and put him right next to Avery Williamson, that's going to be a really good inside linebacking core, um, you know, for this for this 2019 season. And now, one guy, you mentioned him earlier, and uh, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, whether or not he's going to see the field a whole lot as a rookie or at any point uh, in Blake Cashman, he's a guy that a lot of people talk about as, you know, he's going to be a special teams demon, and that's where he'll he'll find his niche. You know, maybe Jets fans who uh, maybe remember a guy like Nick Ballore, who was, you know, a solid college player who, who made a, a living as a special teams guy. But do you see Cashman as a guy who could develop into a, a a regular contributor on defense? Because when when you when you watch him on film, I feel like he does a better job of stacking and shedding than you would expect for a guy of his size with arm length. And I'm you know I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's great, but he 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 was better than I expected when I watched him. And uh, again, seems like an instinctive guy. And we you know we all heard about athletic. For me, you, you hope a guy like Cashman uh, becomes a little bit more aggressive. You know, too often you find, and this is a byproduct of what what we see now in college football, you know, with the spread offenses and you having to play in space. Guys don't want that smoke on the interior, you know, where they, where they struggle to take on blocks. You know, they'll wait and absorb a block and then try to read and react off of it. But sometimes you got to beat that lead blocker to the punch and, and create a pileup and therefore you force the running back then to stop his feet and try to go another direction. So for him, I think playing, you know, in, in this defense is going to kind of force him to, to be that, you know, to, to get better in that aspect. I didn't, that was one part of his, his film where, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of. I thought, you know, he was a wait-and-see type tackler. Uh, you want guys, especially on the inside, you know, if you're going to play in this 3-4 where you, you don't, you're going to be uncovered a lot, um, you want to be able to take on those guards and kind of force the issue and, and really take hold of your gap. And if, if he can't do that, then he's going to be relegated to special teams or more likely be a sub-backer uh, because he does do a solid job in coverage. Well, it would seem that you and I are like of mind because I'm one of the individuals, uh, maybe we're part of a, a small group here that still believes in the running back is a, important position in this game and having been a victim in my high school of the run and shoot defense uh, offense uh, we don't need to get into details on, on how lonely it is for the super back being all by himself but what are your thoughts about Le'Veon Bell in general uh, you know just what he brings to the table for this team and and what are your thoughts about his contract to me I, I think you know he did a great job and you know as far as getting what he wanted and, and what and on the terms that he wanted. You know, you have all the leverage as a player, and you love that about it because he's going to open the door for other players down the line. It's a shame that some of his, his uh, colleagues didn't see it that way, um, but he really did a big thing for them when their contract is, is going to come up. So I was 100% with him with this contract. As far as on the field, 
when you have a guy that is a threat, not only to, to rip the long run, um, but also as a downfield threat in the passing game, people tend to confuse backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's when, that's the cliche that they say, oh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, you're supposed to. That's part of the job. You know, swing, screen, flares, and flats. Yeah, you can catch that. You're supposed to catch that. But when you're a downfield threat like Le'Veon Bell is, you can go deep down the field and essentially be a bigger slot receiver uh, within your offense. It makes him the total threat because now you're in your base personnel, yet your running back can't essentially be a, a wide receiver. They can flex him out, and now you're going to – what you're going to do, you're going to sacrifice a safety, and now someone else on the perimeter is going to have one-on-one with no safety help, or you're going to walk a, a linebacker out there, you know he's going to get sacrificed. So when you have a guy like Bell in the backfield, it opens up your entire offense and makes everyone around him better. And with his vision and agility, he can supersede adequate blocking. So – that makes you feel a lot better as an offensive lineman. Like, hey, I don't have to get the best block. I just got to get enough of the defensive lineman. And I know Bell is going to be able to make that guy miss or, or find a lane to be productive. And now, with uh, obviously Bell is the uh, is is the guy getting all the all the hype this off season, and rightfully so, given his resume. But someone's going to have to step out there every now and then to to, uh, to give him a bit of a breather. And one guy who, who I like that uh, who who you know has looked good at times is Eli McGuire. Adam Gase is we've heard him sing his praises a few times this offseason, kind of unprompted too. You know, and I've I've kind of I've always said that I think that you know if you ask a if you ask a new coach, hey coach, what do you think of Eli McGuire? He's going to say he likes him. Um, but if you just say, hey coach, give us some names of some guys you like, and one of the first guys he mentions is Eli McGuire, that carries a little bit more weight that those unprompted praises. Uh, so did McGuire look heavily involved, and do, do you think that he's a, a good fit for this offense? Well, you can't go wrong with a raging cage and running back, number one, and, <laughs> you know, number two. When you look at when you look at McGuire, I'm glad he's healthy. You know, you talk about uh, Quincy and Numa, you want to make sure McGuire stays upright for a full season because he's had, he's had nagging injuries. When he's out there, he has difference-making speed, and he's another one of those downfield threats in the passing game. So, you like how they utilize him during the OTAs. That, you know, you saw him in the backfield catching screens. You saw him use downfield uh, in a passing game. Same with Trenton Cannon, another one of these home run hitting type backs who has looked a lot better as a receiver uh, catching the football. He had, he had an acrobatic catch on the sideline. We had to turn his body completely around to make a, a catch in the flat on the underthrown or pass that was thrown behind him. Um, so I thought he did a great job there. And, and McGuire is another one that. You know, when you look at potential situation where you could have Trenton Cannon, Elijah McGuire, Le'Veon Bell, and Ty Montgomery all on the field at the same time and still be a threat in the passing game, it's pretty scary. Well, it looks like uh, – oh, sorry, Alex, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think I know what you were about to say. Uh, We had our questions planned out, and you actually answered our last one. Um, That was – we were going to ask about – Trenton Cannon, because for that very reason, he he's a guy that, while he didn't get the ball very much last year, whenever we saw him get the ball for uh, in anything that resembled an open field, you could it's, it looked like he had that that extra gear that he was moving that little bit quicker than anybody else on the field. So I think we're all excited to see whether or not the Jets can get him involved more in the passing game this season. But uh, 
Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for those of you tuning in, this is uh, Emery Hunt's joining us or has joined us from Football Game Plan and given us a, a breakdown of OTAs, who stood out, who didn't. And uh, real quick, Emery, um, give out your Twitter handle and, and anyone we didn't mention or that you didn't mention that stood out who you'd like to say, uh, you know, kind of caught your eye at some point. But they can follow me on Twitter at Football Game Plan. Um, Go to footballgameplan.com. Check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Guys, that stood out to me. I I thought, you know, D'Angelo Henderson had had a really good workout as well. Davis Webb looks to me to be the clear-cut number two quarterback. Um, And it's going to be a battle between him, Simeon, and Luke Falk. But I thought Davis Webb threw really well. He has the the best arm out there as far as strength is concerned. And that's Mm -hmm. what got the touchdown to Jeff Smith. So he looked really good. out there, and I, and I thought that the cornerbacks competed well, and, and one guy in particular was Darrell Roberts. I thought did a great job in coverage. Uh, you know, I know he's listed as a safety, but he was kind of a combo guy. He was out there playing one on one as well. He, he did a good job. So I thought those were some of the guys that, that stood out. I just like the length that you know I was really impressed with Terrell Basham. Uh, Nathan Shepard was another one. So very impressed. With the, with the athleticism and the speed with the Jets on both sides of the ball. And I can't wait to get back out there and check these guys out again. All right, Emery, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again sometime after you get out there for a second round of OTAs. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you having me on. All right, take care. Thanks, thanks so much. Have a good night. All right, so that was Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. Great to get a little bit of insight, like I said at the top grain of salt it's OTAs but we all have a problem we're all addicted to this stuff so every little bit we can get is welcome uh welcome information uh I did like at the end there that he mentioned Daryl Roberts uh we uh we spoke a little bit or via email before the interview and we didn't get into any specifics I just asked Emery if uh which groups he he was able to spend the most time on and uh you know and that was where we were going to focus our questions because, again, having been out there, you can't watch 90 guys at once. So if we just start lobbing 60 different questions at him, there's a chance that he won't be able to answer 40 of them. So uh, I would have loved to ask about uh, how the corners looked. Uh, and I'm glad that he voluntarily mentioned that Darrell Roberts looked, looked good out there. I, I know people have disagreed with me on this. I think that he's a guy that I can't blame the Jets for giving him a shot. Uh to, to win that number two job. Uh, but w- your thoughts, Alex, on, on what Emery had to say, anything that specifically jumped out to you that you were glad to hear? Yeah, I, I was intrigued because uh, you, you had heard through Twitter uh, last week that Daryl Roberts was, uh, you know, getting cooked in the kitchen by several guys and he was doing poor in coverage. And it's interesting how that's one person's perspective, but then you hear it right from him that he actually looked pretty good. And, you know, whenever you have a player like Daryl Roberts, who's an in-betweener, you know, more of a defensive back rather than being labeled as just a corner or just a safety, that's very helpful for for the defense as a whole, you know, being able to move guys around a little bit and mix up your defense. So if you wanted to, you know, mask a particular coverage and drop them into zone and and then have, you know, one of our versatile safeties come up and play man coverage. You know, there's a lot of things that that, that Greg Williams can kind of get loose with 
and mix up, you know, different styles of packages just to keep the, uh, the offense guessing. So definitely great to uh, hear him talk about that. And it was really interesting. And I know it's a player that everyone has constantly been wanting to see more of last season was Derek Jones. And since uh, Tremaine Johnson was, was hurt and not able uh, to participate in particular drills, Derek Jones was in there as the with the ones. So it looks like he's moved himself up the, the roster, uh, the depth chart rather. And, it, you know, a young guy like him who was a bit of a project coming in, we need somebody to emerge out of that defensive backfield. And it's nice to hear that some of these young, younger guys are, you know, beginning to at least step up to the plate. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, uh, sometimes I, I find myself having to, um, put myself in check when it comes to Derek Jones. I probably, the, the, the few things I saw him do in camp last season that, you know, and again, it's a lot like this and that you take it with a grain of salt, but as a former receiver out of Ole Miss, the, the body control, the hands, the athleticism, that he showed on a couple of his interceptions in training camp. I just remember thinking, you know, there, there were one or two plays. There was even one where it, 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 he didn't get credit for the INT. I think they said he landed just out of bounds. But um, the way he was able to elevate, loca- I mean, he was, he was probably, I would say his hip was about, uh, you know, shoulder pad level with the receiver who the ball was intended for. And he was able to just snatch the ball out of the air and, you know, played it like a receiver and, and came down with it. And there were, there were other plays that one in particular that jumped out at me when Sam Darnold, I believe it was Darnold, um, tried to hit Robbie Anderson on a deep ball down the left sideline. And Robbie, we've seen Robbie Anderson make a lot of cornerbacks look really bad um, and leave them in, leave them in the dust. And Derek Jones was stride for stride with him the whole way deep down the sideline. And that was the first time I, re- I remember thinking, like, wow, there's, there's some of that athleticism, uh, you know, coming into play on the field that we heard about when this kid was drafted. So because he's a project, I get that. Uh, but the fact that some of this stuff, you know, sometimes, you, you know, and I said it during, during our interview just now with Emery. These guys put up these eye-popping numbers at their pro days and at the combine, and then it, they never really play to that speed. And you look and you think, how did that guy run a whatever? How do you run a four-three this? And he just looks like another guy out there. Wasn't the case with Derek Jones. The athletic, the freakish, the freakish athletic stuff that was reported after the combine did did appear at times on the field. And so I look at the guy and I'm like. This is a big, tall corner, 6'2", 6'3", with a crazy 40, a crazy vertical, experience as a receiver. I, you just look at him and you think the sky is the limit for this kid if, A, he puts in the work, and, B, the coaches get it out of him. He could be a fantastic player. So uh, I didn't mean to go on too long about him, but he just the, what that guy could bring is is phenomenal. But you know what? I'm sure – a couple of years ago in San Francisco, I'm sure a lot of fans were saying the same, saying the same things about Rashard Robinson because that dude also had some crazy off the charts athleticism. 
and he made a, a play. He he made a few plays in San Fran to where he was elevated to a starting role. And uh, now after a couple of years on the bench with the Jets, he's gone. So I understand that the athleticism doesn't always translate. And even if it shows itself at times on the field, doesn't mean it's going to do it consistently enough. To, I get all that. But the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a project player and he seems to be coming along nicely. And uh, that's a good thing. Will it be any more than that? We'll have to wait and see. But um, what I wanted to talk about next, Alex, and we, we talked about this briefly before, um, is the not not the Adam Gase situation as a whole. You know, of course, we've talked about Adam Gase till we're blue in the face because you know he's the new coach and he's commenting here and he's interviewing there. So it's always news because there's no actual football going on and everyone wants to know what's on the new coach's mind. But no matter how you feel about what's transpired with this team in the last few weeks, whether you liked Mike McCagnin and you're not happy that he's gone, I like Mike McCagnin, but I'm fine with the fact that he's gone. But Adam Gase, you look at the last two head coaches this team had in Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles, and you have to believe that Gase, it, this is a boomer bust thing for him because he is what this team needed. He is, he's a guy who is not going to be loyal to a fault the way Rex Ryan was and the way Todd Bowles was. Those two guys had the old school mentality. My veterans are my guys. I'm not going to trust a young guy. Um, you know, of course they would play some young players. You know, sometimes you, you almost have to. But listen, you know, we saw we we saw under Todd Bowles, you know, why wasn't Deontay Burnett playing last year? Why was Jermaine Kerr still on the field when when Deontay Burnett and and <clears throat> some of what um, some of what Jermaine Kerr pulled last year, and he's still a mystery to me because I really do think he's not a bad dude. But he 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 lapsed. He had some some lapses in concentration, some questionable effort at times, and Todd Bowles let him keep playing. That's not going to happen under Adam Gase. If that was Adam Gase last year, at some point, Deontay Burnett would have been on the field. And Jermaine Curse would have been told to take a seat. Todd Bowles played guys, you know, who didn't show up to meetings multiple times. Rex Ryan did the same thing. Rex Ryan played Calvin Pryor for most of the season before finally benching him for one game for Jaquan Jarrett. And I, I remember at that time, I, I spoke to people, well, one person in particular, who was in that locker room and said, this kid Calvin Pryor, the, the late to meetings thing, is, is a regular occurrence with him. He's consistently showing up late. Um, and, and there were, you know, questions about his effort. But Rex Ryan kept playing him. Had to go on for how many weeks before Rex finally sits him for one game? Todd Bowles, same thing. Leo, not Leo, uh, Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, reportedly missing several several workouts, several meetings, late to practice. He finally benches them for one quarter. You know, again, or was it the first series? I think it was the first quarter against Miami in Miami. But just kept playing these guys. And Adam Gase, and I've said it before, you look at what he did in Miami, 
trading guys, cutting guys, benching guys, if the effort wasn't there. And if you look at this rebuild, and people can disagree with me, I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, this thing was right on schedule based on my expectations. When they tore it all down a couple years ago, I said three years, they better be ready to compete for a playoff spot. In my mind, they're ready to compete for a playoff spot. But maybe the next step, and Adam Gase is the right guy for it, is, is to really, really clean out this locker room and, and take the guys who aren't willing to put in the effort and show them the door. And so whether you like Gase or not, I think he I I think he serves a great purpose in developing Sam Darnold and cleaning up the culture. However, I think he's also put as much pressure on himself, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but as much pressure on himself as any Jets head coach I can remember. Because he's got the quarterback, he's got the offensive firepower, and he's now put his stamp on this team as the guy who is kind of molding things the way he wants. And if they hire a new GM and this team somehow manages to go four and 12 or something this year, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Johnson went to the new GM and said, Hey man, it's your call. You want to find a new coach? Go ahead and do it. it, it it's your decision. But w- what do you think, Alex? Is Is this, is Adam Gase, I don't want to say necessarily on thin ice. Let's say a short leash. Is, uh, do you think the owners are looking at Adam Gase and saying, all right, man, you're the offensive mastermind. You now have a lot of pieces on offense. And you just had us fire the guy who got all those pieces. We need some serious results. We, we, need, we need nine or ten wins for you to keep your job. Do you think do you think a, a six and ten season type year? Do you think Adam Gase could be shown the door after one season? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because as far as expectations of win total and what this team, you know, it, it's a good and bad thing because we we've made some good additions. So obviously, we feel that on paper we're a lot better standing than we were last year. We're seeing what analysts are saying and what people on NFL Network and other uh, networks are saying, how they, they're holding the Jets in higher regard this year. So we're either setting ourselves up for a big fall um, or possibly for one crazy roller coaster of a ride uh, where, you know, it could be a lot of fun this season. So, it, you know, when I look at this, who put us in this position? You know, a lot of people can point the finger at Gase, but I really think it's the owners that have put us in this position here. And they've dialed up the pressure on their – head coach interim GM because if they had made the tougher decisions a few months ago, we would be looking at this whole perspective as a lot different, you know, new front office, new head coach, new GM, different philosophies, new culture, all that good stuff. But now that they've kind of done it in a completely untraditional manner, you know, words like dysfunctional are being thrown out and, uh, you know, people are questioning what's going on and, and, interior you know who's who else is next that that could be fired you know so it's just it it's a very difficult situation to say is it all on gate more than likely yeah uh because he's more outspoken than todd bowles and and the other guys and he has a little bit of an abrupt uh, attitude toward the media 
which is kind of funny because, you know, me living in New York and growing up in North Jersey and kind of being in this area, you would think Adam Gase's attitude would be absolutely perfect for the what goes on around this area here. Trust me, if you've driven around North Jersey or the New York area, you know how people are on the roads. And you, it's just that where people are a little bit more abrasive, I guess, you know, hearing from people outside of the state. So it's just kind of curious to me on how people be like, I can't, you know, the gall of this guy to be abrupt with media, not answer questions when they throw, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? I perfectly am fine with it. I, 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 I like the way he handles himself during the press conferences, but, uh, to go back to you know the football aspect, if we end up having a six and ten season, I don't think that that's going to cut it, and it would be really unfortunate. I, I'd hate to see us shake up the front office yet again and have Donald learning a new system for his third year in a row. Exactly. You talk about the Jets never being able to develop a quarterback, and this would be the the perfect example uh, of why maybe decisions should have been made early in 2018 so that Sam and the rest of these young players got the right path, you know, because you want, you, you want that con, you want that continuity, don't you? You want to have that, that same guy to grow with the quarterback. A hundred percent, you know, that, and of course all the players are going to say the right things and they're going to be positive about it. But deep down inside, they're probably saying, why do I have to go through this again? Like this team really needs to get it together. We don't want our guys to be in that position. We want, their minds to be in the right place, you know, thinking about becoming better football players, putting a better product on the field, winning games, and, and playing in the postseason. That's where we want our guys' main focus to be, not thinking about, well, what's the next guy going to do? You know, is he going to, you know, pick on my footwork or is he going to pick on my throwing style? Am I going to have to learn this, that, and the third? It's got to be frustrating being a player and having mixed up the lineup so much. And I'll, I'll touch back to something that you had said about the, the younger players and Todd Bowles not playing guys and, and not putting players in their, their best positions. I always think about that with Jordan Leggett. And I go up some slack last week too, saying I think I just put something very, very uh, gray in the gray area, what I thought five or six teams made uh, a waiver move for Jordan Leggett, there weren't any trade suitors. People were saying, oh, you don't watch football? You don't watch with the games? He stunk. Did he really? Or did he not get oh my, the Oh, my God, Alex. I can't, can I can't, Alex, I can't believe you just said Jordan Leggett's going to the Hall of Fame on a first ballot. I can't believe you just right. said that. That's <laughs> exactly. exactly That's exactly what you meant, Alex. I could tell by your tweet when you said that maybe he won't be a terrible football player. You're putting him in Canton. Right. All of a sudden, you're smarter than every GM in football, Alex. You're such an idiot. I can't believe you. And, and, and who's to say that the, the book has already been written on these players? You know, sometimes it just takes the, the second trip. The, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to half the football teams in America before he finally found the right system coming back with Chan Gailey. And putting up decent numbers. Sometimes time. Oh, so now Ryan stuff. Fitzpatrick is going to have his number retired with the Jets, Alex. He belongs in the Ring of Honor. Is that what you're saying? Might as well get that tape measurement out for that gold jacket. <laughs> you, know? you have no idea. You've never watched football in your life. You must have just started watching last week. Right, right. 
And, and you know, it's funny because I, I remember uh, doing a breakdown when I was running this blog back in uh, 2016 or 2017, and I literally broke down every single game of Jordan Leggett's Clemson final year and where he was positioned as an H-back, as a slot receiver, out wide, uh, you know, as flexing the Y tight end out, things like that. And you didn't see any of that really when he was with the Jets. So, you know, we'll leave Leggett go and I'll let it go. But that could be said with so many different players. And Rashard Robinson and Derek Jones didn't get to see the field. And then they had to play the Patriots week 17. And I can pretty much tell you that because Rashard Robinson had not gotten any snaps throughout 16 weeks of football, it showed in that week 17 game. And I don't think that that game represents the player that he is, but man, did he get chewed up. He got picked apart that game. And he looked like somebody that hadn't been out there in years. How did did Derek Jones look in that game, Alex? You know, there were, I'd have to go back and, and watch that again. I do remember him doing some things. Okay. Uh, also, oh, now you're saying they should they give him a 10 year contract and make him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fired up. I, lo- I love Twitter. I love Twitter. It's fantastic. Any, any, oh, any positive word about a player who is not an all pro and people lose their friggin' minds? I don't know what the hell is wrong oh, with people. It, you know, and this is completely off track, but there's something that I think Damian Woody had tweeted um, over the weekend. A lot of people going with his hashtag delete Facebook. He said, do you really want your aunt, your uncle, and your cousins, and your mom and your dad coming on here and seeing all the craziness that goes on on Twitter? Let's let them have <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> oh, God. Absolutely great. <laughs> I couldn't imagine, you know, my, you know, just people from my interior uh, – you know, family group that is kind of a little skeptical with how social media just does the things that they do. They wouldn't last a day on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's people. People are so out of their minds. It's really, it's uh, it, it shows you that uh, that mental illness is absolutely an epidemic, and and social. I, I had no idea, but before Facebook and Twitter, I don't know. I, I'm sure this applies to a lot of people. I had no idea how many crazy people were in my life. <laughs> I thought most of the people in my life were normal and then Facebook came out and friends and family were able to voice their political opinions and their thoughts on the world. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. So many of you were completely insane, but that's an entirely different topic. Minor news, the Jets added uh, free agent or they, they claimed Linebacker James Burgess, formerly of the Cleveland Browns and Miami Dolphins, who's on a couple of their practice squads as well. Um, let's see, played a little bit, 2017-2018, combined 17 games, 11 starts, 78 tackles, 50 solo, and four sacks, all four sacks coming in 2017. This, according to Pro Football Reference, and the Jets were able to do that because they placed was Jalen Moore, correct, Alex? Yeah, unfortunate to hear about Jalen Moore. Uh, I thought it was injury-related, but apparently it is a non-football injury. So we'll yeah, see if more reports related, come out on that. The non-football injury list. Yeah, you hate to hear things like that, uh, especially when the kid came off of a, a tough broken ankle. 
in college, and, you know, no one gave him a chance in the draft. The Jets took a look at him. So hopefully he, whatever it is that's going on, he can come through it and, uh, you know, contribute to this team down the line sometime. Yeah, and uh, the Jets will be interviewing some head co- some uh, GM candidates this in the coming days and weeks. And if you're wondering why we didn't do a ton on these guys, or really not much at all, um, and, you know, we will talk about them, but I feel like with, with, with a lot of, with all these guys, um, as tough as it is, as tough as it is to project a player, it's, it's probably a hundred times harder to, to try to figure out whether or not an executive is going to be any good, because let's face it, you can come from the greatest front office in the history of the NFL. And for all we know, you may have been the one dude in the room who didn't like any of the good picks, uh, cause you're not making the picks. You're not, you know, listen, I remember trying to be as optimistic as I could and having faith in the early days of John Idzik because the Seahawks found Russell Wilson in the middle rounds and they found Richard Sherman in the middle rounds and they found Cam Chancellor in the, you know, middle rounds. And here they were just plucking all pros and pro bowlers up and down the draft and all these, you know, outside the premium rounds. And the dude was atrocious. And it's like, oh, well, I guess. I guess just because you're getting the GM as coffee doesn't mean that you can be a GM yourself. So uh, not that I'm saying that's what's going on with any of these guys. Uh, But the names out there, of course, Joe Douglas, the Philadelphia Eagles executive, who is very highly thought of, so much so that the Eagles are reportedly desperate to not lose him. And that is good news because as good as Howie Roseman, as much credit as Howie Roseman gets, um, he didn't have such a do such a great job his first go around in Philly was uh, exiled in the building when Chip Kelly came in, was put back in place, and they apparently liked Douglas a whole lot. Also being, oh, excuse me, also being targeted, Cham Kelly of the Chicago Bears, uh, Scott Fitterer of the Seahawks, and George Patton of the Vikings, <clears throat> pardon me, who the Jets have had in a couple times or have shown interest in a couple times in past GM searches. So we will get into that. That'll be a hot topic next week because some of these interviews will have taken place. Um, if a hire goes down, Alex and I will see what we can do about scrambling to get a show done that day. But uh, I would imagine this process is going to take a little longer than that. A lot of talk, Alex. What do you think? People keep saying the Joe Douglas thing is a done deal, and I feel like then yeah, why are you scheduling other interviews? <laughs> if it's a done deal, why? Why? Why are you? Oh, it's due diligence, right? But you're saying it is a done deal. That means the deal is done. Why aren't they right. signing it? So it may be there may be a very good chance it happens. I still think he will be the guy. Because look, if you're the Jets, you're in no position to to screw around here. You you've got the damn quarterback. It took you fifty years to get him. You got him. You got the offensive head coach, the first one you signed since I was nine years old. And now you need the GM. If you if there's a GM that you like, you better not be nickel and diming him, and you better not be telling him that he can't have control of whatever he wants control of, because you're going to let the head coach have that. I'm sorry, but if you want to get this done right and stop screwing around and stop being a second-rate franchise, get the damn guy you want and pay him what it's going to take to get him. And there will be more on that. Next week, the Jets GM search, who will it be, what should they pay, and we will cover that and more next week. 
Alex, uh, go ahead and give out your Twitter handle, and we will promptly sign off. All right. Well, Jets fans, thanks for coming in. Thank you for uh, Emery Hunt coming on and giving us his time to talk to us about the Jets OTAs. Uh, If you tuned in a little bit late, be sure to download and listen to tomorrow. Uh, He came on about 15 minutes after we started the pod. So, uh, Jets Nation, you can follow me at NYJetsLife24. And you can follow Emery Hunt at Football Game Plan at, well, F-Ball Game Plan. Emery Hunt. So give him a follow if you're not already. And we would also like to take a minute here to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Jet Nation Radio is brought to you by Mile Social. They help you with you. They help your business with social media, websites, and SEOs. Check them out at milesocial.com. That is M-I-L-E social.com. Thanks for tuning in, Jets fans. We will catch you next week. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Glenn on Twitter at AceFan23. And the show can be found at Jet Nation Radio. Until next time, go Jets!